When people think of Terry Butcher, they think of a hard case who played for England. Part of the side that got the semi-finals of the World Cup in 1990. Images of him with his head wrapped in a bandage and blood pouring out all over that white shirt of the national team. He won the UEFA Cup with Ipswich and nearly won the league. He won titles with Glasgow Rangers during another iconic era. He's a true heavyweight of the game. But many away from Sunderland forget he managed the mighty Red and Whites. He signed as a player under Malcolm Crosby and was a huge fan's favourite. Some think he had his eye on the manager's job from the very start. So we went to his house to ask him and to get his opinion on why it just didn't work out. First, here's Lee Howie. He was playing non-league and on the football scrap heap before Terry came in and gave him a contract. I've known Terry Butcher for, for quite a long time. Uh, as a kid, I was 16, just turned 16, and uh, Terry Butcher was the captain of Ipswich at the time when I went there. So he was he was iconic, I suppose, even then, because that, that was after the uh, the Italian thing where he came off with all the, the blood on his head and stuff like that. And uh, he was a leader of men, a real true leader of men, and, and um, um, was with him for some time until he went off to Rangers. But we still always, uh, he came back to Ipswich and, and always was, was very, very, came over to see us and asked us how I was. How I was. And then obviously I, I left I left Ipswich because of injury, but I did get the chance when I was 23 to then have a trial at Sunderland when, when uh, Terry Butcher was, uh, was manager. And luckily enough, obviously... I mean, it's it's a bit corny, but he did make my dream come true. He, he, I was his first signer for Sunderland. He signed me for five hundred quid a week, which was less money than I was actually earning <laughs> for playing uh, for playing Farm Club and, uh, and and Bishop Auckland. But uh, yeah, I always admired the man. He was, uh, as I say, a terrific leader of, of men. But things just didn't quite work out for him at Sunderland. And when you hear him on uh, Five Live and the football, I think he's still very much respected, and and, uh, and I respect him greatly. Terry Butcher, former Sunderland player and manager. 42 appearances, first of all, for Sunderland. One goal. Can you remember it? No. Remind me. <laughs> it was on your home debut, actually. We worked out on the way down. We played Huddersfield in the League Cup. Oh, yeah. And that was your home debut at Rocker Park. I think we lost that one as well. We did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, why, that's why I don't remember it. Uh, it was a two-legged affair, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. yeah. We went over to, to Huddersfield, and I think we may have won 1-0. I went into extra time. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we lost on away goals, yeah. Which yeah. Is a stupid rule, isn't it? We were just talking. <laughs> we were just talking about stupid rules and stuff before we started recording, there, didn't we? So, uh, I'm with Gareth and Craig as well, and we, we're down um, in Terry's house. We're very uh, honoured that you've invited us in, Terry. Um, we'll start talking to you about just when you played, and then when that progressed onto you managing the club and stuff like that. You you actually had retired as a player before you came play for Sunderland, so people will remember you. You've got a highly decorated career, obviously, and then. All coming to a head with Italian 90. But you had a little spell at Coventry as a player manager, but didn't last too long. And then you retired playing before you come to Sunderland to play again. Yeah, I went I went to, to Coventry uh, as player manager. I, I shook hands with Howard Wilkinson about playing for Leeds United as well. But um, John Poynton, who's the owner of Coventry, phoned me up and said, would you want to be player manager? And I says, yeah, I'd love to, love to learn about the job through Bobby Robson. I saw what he did and how he 
got stuck into the role and I wanted to do exactly the same. So um, started off at Coventry and play. I was as a player manager, but I only managed seven games when these were were shot really I was I was coming to the end and um I thought well um I better concentrate on management rather than than the playing side and and in the end that didn't work out for me we um a new board came in uh, John Poynton left a new board came in and obviously they wanted their own man in so I had to depart so I was sort of stuck that summer summer of 92 I think it was and um, Bobby Ferguson who was my reserve team coach or uh, Ipswich and the man responsible really for for making me sort of the player I became he was uh, assistant to Malcolm Crosby at Sunderland and he just said, well, you know, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm trying to get fit now because I think, well, um, I hadn't done much work on fitness when I was at Coventry. So I thought, well, I'll really work hard. So I did a bike ride and was on the bike all day doing my stuff. So he, he says, come along. So come along for, for pre-season training. So I did. And I went along to Sunderland. Um, beautiful summer and uh, ended up training, ended up getting a contract. So somehow I got a contract. So um, <laughs> I thought, well, this is my Indian summer, really, just to see what I could do. But I was hanging on in, in many respects. Um, but I have to say that I had a, a centre-half alongside me called Kevin Ball, who was absolutely brilliant. He was absolutely a diamond. He looked after me and he could be anybody's mind a ball he could. And uh, <laughs> he helped me get through the season and, and get through it well. It's interesting that because um, we, we were looking at some of the people who you played alongside. But uh, I mean, b- before you came to Sunderland, did you have what were your impressions of the area? Or did you know? Had you been to Sunderland before? Well, I played at did Sunderland several times um, when Bobby Robson was the manager, and um, we always enjoyed it there. Uh, Roker Park was always a, a noisy ground. It was a windy ground as well, so I found out later on the <laughs> um, wind would howl through the, the middle of it. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> but I mean, uh, we always got good memories because we always used used to do well there we always invariably won there so it was, <laughs> I thought well, well let's try and change this round if I could and try and get them on the winning habit but you know you knew that the support was there and obviously Newcastle were doing well and they were looking to try and get back up into the into the top flight and Sunderland wanted to do the same and with, with the cup final as well um, Sunderland got to the cup final mm. and you sort of thought well there's a good nucleus of players here and it would be a um, it would be good to to be in that in that environment and um, you know in, in a winning environment and see what we could do. So, were you when you left Coventry? Were you not then actively looking for any manager jobs? You were thinking you were going to give it another go for playing just for a couple of just, years. Just as a player, so all I wanted to be was a player. It was easier being a player because you just got yourself to worry about. Whereas as a manager, you've got everybody to worry about uh, and their families and all this sort of thing. So, I just wanted to to knuckle down and play, and it was very good because. Malcolm allowed me my own sort of regime. I went back down to the Midlands where I was staying um, with my family and, and did a bit of work down there. Then went up and stayed overnight and did all some training and then played games and all that sort of thing. So, you know, it worked out very well and um, I enjoyed it. Results weren't exactly what we wanted, of course, but just to be playing again was a big thrill for me and, you know, putting the red and white on and with all the, I mean, the support was just phenomenal at home and away from home. It was, wow, it was great. You know, having been at Rangers and, you know, Ipswich to a certain degree, but particularly at Rangers, a big club, big support, traveling at home, it's just phenomenal to play in front of. And it was the same with Sunderland. So you mentioned Kevin Ball there. So when you were playing into the team, we, we, we just had a look. And Gary Bennett, you played alongside a couple of times. Richard Ord, who would have been a young player. Ord, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and Kevin Ball. And which, which I couldn't quite understand Ord. His accent was a bit strong. But he, was, <laughs> he was a good, sweet left foot. Great guy. Yeah. But Ball, I mean, there were some great characters there. Ben Owen. Now, now um, when I wander around um, the ground sometimes for, for Five Live or for radio TV, I, I bump into Ben Owen. It's great to see him again. He's, he was a character. Mm-hmm. 
And who did you prefer? Who was your favourite to play alongside? Well, I didn't. It didn't bother me. I mean, I was left-footed, so uh, you know, you had, you had, Gra- you had Benno, and you had um, obviously Borley um, in there. So I mean, Borley was stood out for me because he was he would shout and scream and talk and everything like that. Benno was a bit more quiet, a bit more laid back, um, a bit more horizontal sort of thing, you know. But he, he's he sort of wondered where he was, but he was just lying down <laughs> having a rest. It was unbelievable. It was, uh, but but Borley was completely different. Borley's right in your face, and he was like, he'd scream at you, "Well done, well done!" Like this. Sort of you just think, well, just a nice thumbs up would have done. But you know, he was a character. He really was. And I've got to know him really well over the years in terms of um, getting players from Sunderland in, you know, with the under under 18s and under 23s and under 20s where they are. And he's been, you know, he's a right character. So we sort of kept in touch, which is really nice. Mm. He is friend of the short ball, yeah, isn't he? he, he, he comes <laughs> He's a friend on, to anyone. He comes exactly. on, speaks Absolutely. to us. Exactly, yeah. absolutely, he is. <laughs> um, so you, you, I mean, there are stories of you when you played for England and stuff. And Gary Lineker tells some of them when you listen to his podcast and stuff. I've never had a conversation with Gary Lineker. I made I said, oh, I'll sit next to Gary and talk to you. <laughs> um, where he says you were like crazy in the tunnel and stuff, and you, you know, you're bashing your head against the wall and stuff <laughs> like that. Had you, had you mellowed out by the time you got to Sunderland with that? No. <laughs> it was exactly the same. I think I, I approached it the way that I, I've always approached it. Um, but the, the, the best thing I, re, I always remember um, about um, playing for, for Sunderland and the fans was just going to the fans after the game and giving them a, a cheer and a thank you and just mm. acknowledging their great support. Um, I think they used to look for it. My wife used to tell me off of inciting them and I remember a, an FA Cup game at Sheffield Wednesday when we lost the game in the last minute. Yeah. Uh, Mark Bright scored and um, we played really well. I'm looking forward to the replay. Um, and we lost 1-0 and going up to the whole of the, of the end at, um, at Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough, it was just an amazing scene with all, all the Sunderland fans and giving them a cheer and lifting them and you know like I did and everything else like that and you know it was it was a great great way to finish off the game even though we had lost mm-hmm. and then I woke up as there was all talk I went into the change room it was all talk of me being arrested for inciting the crowd so it was it was it wasn't actually sorted out for about half an hour to an hour after the game whether I was going to be charged or not by the police so <laughs> I thought wow this is really different maybe I won't do that in future but you know it was just one of those not talking points but it was you think well that was a bit crazy, but it was just—it was just phenomenal to play in front of the fans. They were just immense. I can remember that, and lots of people have mentioned that. And I was—I was actually at that game, and I was a kid at the time. I remember you doing that. Um, and, and and just for people who might not be aware, so you would at Rocker Park or an away game. But I remember particularly that Sheffield Wednesday game, as you say, because we took thousands down. We did play well, and then Tony Norman dropped the ball, didn't he? And Mark. Bryce. Well, I didn't want to say that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that was—you've summed it up really yeah, well. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it, well, I think we were talking that there was even a fanzine called "It's an Easy One for Norman," I think, because that's what the commentator oh. said at the time. <laughs> I think we all said that as well on the pitch. We just turned around to walk away. And then the next thing is in the back of the net. <laughs> and uh, so, so, for people who might not know, so what you would do, you would walk up to the. Sunderland fans so I was in the Fulwell end and you would do it all into the ground at Rocker Park and then you'd walk up at the end of the game you would raise your hands yeah. and the whole crowd would do Get it all, and all there with you when yeah you, when and you then you'd, you'd you know, raise it quicker and quicker and quicker and then shout and then, then pause and then right at the end just hold it and hold it and hold it and then the last like raise of the hands in the last year like yeah. a conductor yeah like a conductor yeah I think, <laughs> I think the crowds I mean I've seen captains do it I mean Luke Chambers does it at Ipswich now as well with the, with the fans I've seen them do it and I think it's just an acknowledgement to the supporters, you know, thanks very much for supporting us and, you know, just, just acknowledging their presence and saying to them, thank you, thank you on behalf of the club. So I, I did that and, you know, for them, someone to actually say, 
or threaten the fact that I could get charged with an incitement. I thought, oh, that's a bit rich, but I would take it. I'd be, I've been charged before the, by the police many times, so <laughs> I'll, I'm used to that scenario. <laughs> um, was it, we were talking um, to Malcolm Crosby, obviously. We would start with Dennis Smith and Malcolm Crosby and now yourself, and we, we were looking at some of the, the players we had in that team, and there were some good players, really. And I think I can clearly remember, like my dad and all the fans, getting really frustrated at, that we were doing so poorly in the league and we're yeah. down here 17th and 18th because we had some good players, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Don Gubbin up front was a was a, a quality player um, and he just needed the, the the right service to him. Um, Gordon Armstrong, you know, Gary Hours. We had some, we had some good some good talent there, but for some reason it just didn't seem to click on a regular basis. When it did click, it was it was very good. I mean, there were a lot of times when it didn't quite click. So. Um, it was. It was. I just needed more time. I think when you, I've known now as a manager and a coach, when you get a team together, it just takes time for it to gel. Particularly under the pressure that um, that Malcolm was under, with with um, his, his appointment was a bizarre sort of scenario, wasn't it? Before with the cup and that sort of thing, the cup run, getting to the cup final, then eventually he became the manager. I think through um, it wasn't exactly a you know a, a unanimous choice I didn't think from the board but for, as an outsider but I, I felt really sorry for Malcolm because at the end of the day he deserved he deserved more and he deserved more from us as players to be fair mm-hmm. I mean your, your debut that your debut for Sunderland league debut um, we lost 1-0 at Swinton and, and Glenn Hoddle was player yeah. manager then and he scored he, he as scored, well yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So he he was you were looking at him doing the player manager thing then at the time as well. I was yeah. I wish I'd done as well as Glenn did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember I remember that game because I was out in Japan. I was coaching in Japan. I'd had a, a preset arrangement to go out and coach some children in Japan. So I actually flew back from Japan on on the Thursday, and then got to a hotel and and stayed in a hotel in London uh, on the on the Thursday night I think, and then went up to um, to with, with with the team. Uh, to play at Swindon, so yeah, I remember just jetting, jetting halfway across the world, sort of thing, to go and play in the game, and uh, I enjoyed the game. I thought we did all right in the game, and mm. wasn't much between the sides, and we, you know, I ended up losing the game. And they got promoted that year. It was a That's right. Yeah. Team, yeah. Oh, they, I, remember, I remember them coming to Roker Park and how well they did there. Um, yeah, they were a good side, and John Gorman, I think, was with Glenn as well as, mm. as the assistant manager. They're a good coaching team. The way they played as well and passed the ball. Um, we shan't go into the bung scenario in the brown paper envelopes, but there we go. <laughs> uh, another game we, we found interesting when we were just looking at the stats, and I, I can't remember this game actually, which I'm surprised because it's the most Sunderland game in the world. We lose 2 0 at home to Charlton. Can you remember anything about that game? It was an awful game. John Kerr got sent off, yeah, and yeah. you and Gary Bennett scored an own goal each. Yeah, yes, I remember scoring an own goal. Went sliced it with my right foot, I think, hit my shin pad and went in. It was a bizarre goal. I, mean, I did score some cracking on goals, but that was one of the best. Yeah, it was an awful game. I, was, I remember that as well. And John Kay getting sent off. Yeah, I mean, John was a time bomb waiting to happen anyway. So, I mean, you didn't, you didn't want to... I mean, John's a funny guy, John. He just didn't know what to say. And he sometimes he said something and it just seemed to, to turn him into some crazy animal. He was like a Tasmanian devil at times when he went into tackles. Um, and other times he was, he was sweet as a nut. He was really mm. lovely. Yeah, so, the people... Are, it's interesting with John Kay. People always say that he was... Quite quiet off the field. Oh, he's and a, then a, nut a, when a, he deep, got on there. a yeah. very deep thinker, but he just didn't know what was going through his through his head. You know, he just didn't have a clue. He didn't show. I mean, he would, he would have been a good poker player, but he would have probably ripped the table up at the end of it <laughs> if he'd lost. But he was just one of these people that you didn't know his face, no facial expressions until he just until he snapped, until he went mad, and then you knew exactly what it was going to be like. <laughs> but he was, it was some football. I thought he was a nice, neat, and tidy footballer. Got forward well. 
I mean, wholehearted. I mean, he gave everything to the courts. There's no doubt about that. But um, he just didn't know what he was going to do. That was as simple as that. What some, some back four with you, John Kay and Kevin Ball in it, mind. <laughs> yeah, and Audi at left back. <laughs> you two, yeah, yeah. You two winding him up. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't trust Bawley would wind him up. I tell you, Bawley would wind anyone up. But he was... Um, He's, yeah, he was he was he was good. I mean, you did the work with him, and you trained with him, and you and you went out with him, and that he was he was first class. He was really good. Um, just if you played against him, I think you just you weren't too sure. And the same with Bawley, probably the same with me as well. Exactly. So it was a pretty <laughs> psychopathic back four. It was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> what were the dynamics like in the dressing room? Good dressing room. Yeah, it was an excellent dressing room. Um, very strong, um, good players, as uh, quiet players as well. Um, Lots of um, lots of characters in there, lots of egos, and to a certain degree. But no, I didn't. I didn't find that any egos um, dominated. Everybody uh, um, stuck in, got got on with each other. I thought it was excellent, really good, first class. Did you feel any pressure with you know obviously the link with Bobby Ferguson and him being the coach? You coming yeah. to the club kind of because of him. Yeah. You know, obviously he'd admired you a lot as a player. Um, Do you ever feel that pressure to sort of live up to maybe his expectation? within the group of players coming into the club? Well, it was always a pressure to live up to my expectations, yeah. but I had to try and please Bobby. I mean, I've always tried to please Bobby when I played, and in this particular case, I had to do the same as well. Um, he would. Um, he was very good, though. He was, he'd mellowed a lot compared to what he was at Ipswich. He was a lot quieter, and when he exploded, it was a bit like John Kay, when he exploded, and you knew what, what was going to happen. But, um, yeah, I felt yeah. under pressure to try and justify his selection um, and his... He, you know, obviously put me forward to Malcolm, and I just wanted to do well for Malcolm as well. So it was, um, it was, it was a difficult sort of scenario because I've been used to training flat out all the time, um, and then to to actually not take part several days of the week in the training, be away from the from the group, and then to come and meet them and all that sort of thing. I know it happens a lot now in in modern football, but in those days it didn't happen a lot. But it. It can you can feel a bit disjointed, but at the same time, I knew I had to do it because I couldn't I couldn't go flat out during the week because my knee would just blow up. Not that it was blowing up much; it was it was a bit sore. But I did play a lot of games that season, so and I enjoyed them. It kind of did a full circle for you because just after Christmas, Malcolm Crosby was sacked, and your first game. I mean, we'll get onto that in a minute. Was was actually against Swindon, but. Um, there's a couple of, I don't want to call them conspiracy theories, but you know, terrorist talk and pub talk and stuff, what Sunderland fans, how they remember things and stuff like that. And I want you to either just confirm or dispel a couple of these as myths, perhaps. Okay. Um, so we were talking about that when you're, you're going around and you're, you're lifting your arms to the crowd and stuff like that. Did you, at any point when you were playing under Martin Crosby, have the manager job in mind? No, not at all. No, I, I just wanted to get through the season. I just wanted to play a season. I think that I wanted to prove to myself that I could still do it as well. When he, when I had a, such a miserable time at, at Coventry in terms of playing, um, I wanted to, to to say to people in general, really, and to, and to myself, look, you know, I can still do this. Okay, it's, it's it's restricted, and I don't have the same input as I had before, day to day. But I just felt, well, yeah, I really want to do this, um, and I and I enjoyed it. And to be fair, the knee was holding up really well. Went, didn't miss many games. Um, the sharpness probably wasn't there. And I think towards it, you know, when he when like halfway through the season, you sort of think, you know, okay, fine, things are going well. But there comes a time in your mind when you think the sharpness isn't quite there uh, like it was before. And I think having the season out, the season, be- you know, the season before, or not playing on a regular basis, you lose a lot of that edge. <clears throat> so. Um, I just wanted to be a, as a player first and foremost, and that was the only thing I had in my mind. So, 
Malcolm, you, you touched on it there and said perhaps he wasn't the unanimous decision by the board and stuff. And it took a while for him to get that job in a, on a permanent basis. The fans wanted him to get it. And I think um, mm. there was a lot of sentiment behind that cup run and stuff. Like you said, he was a local lad. But um, I think Bob Murray, I don't think it's a secret that he, he wanted Neil Warnock for a long time. But he didn't He didn't feel he was in a position to sack Malcolm Crosby at the time. So when that did come, Neil Warnock was actually available as well. Um, so what, what conversation did... Did, did you have with Bob Murray? How did, he, did he approach you, ask if you were interested? Because the turnaround was quite quick. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously after Malcolm had left. So it was a case of, well, um, you know, would you be interested in the job? It was, it was not, do you want the job? It was, would you be interested in the job? And I said, well, actually, yeah, I would be. I mean, I mean you, you, having been at the club a while, you look at the, at the, um, the club in, in itself, the, the, the training centre was new, just started to move up to there. And, and you're looking at the, at the stadium and there's all the talk about the new stadium as well all these models and that sort of thing at Roker Park and you sort of think wow that looks fantastic and all that you know I'd like to be a part of that and this and they're going to help out and do this and do that and you sort of think wow this, this, is a, got a, this club's got a future a really good future so um, it's a club that's up and coming in terms of um, you know where it wants to be and what you know the ambition it's got that the club as well and you sort of feel I didn't know about the financial situation there of course but you sort of think, well, yeah, I, I could, I could, I could get my teeth into this. And having been at the club for a while, rather than come to like a, a Coventry, which was then all new to me, I didn't know much about the history of the club and about the club itself and everything else like that. But to know a lot about the club from within as a player, and um, that that counts as a lot. So you so you've, you've done my homework sort of thing, the reconnaissance, although I wasn't anticipating that. But when the opportunity came along, you sort of feel, well, yeah, I, I understand the club now more than anything else. You understand the politics of the club. Sometimes you don't, but I did this time. So I thought, well, yeah, I really fancy this. And mm. obviously the more we talked then, but it was very quick. It was a quick turnaround because there was obviously games to play. Mm. And there was never any talk before that and you never no. got any England that no. Malcolm was going to No, go. no, not at all. Did I mean, I like, I like Malcolm. I, like, I thought he was, I thought he was, it's just going to take a bit more time with Malcolm. And obviously they, he wasn't allowed the time. Did you then think, right, You've been a player manager before. You're still playing at this point. I know at the end of the season you you stop playing, but you're for the rest of the season you just continue to play. Did you just try and uh, make that a smooth transition? Did you think I'm not going to change things too much? I'm just going to stop picking the team now as well as playing. Yeah. Or did, or did you think I've right? I've got to make a change. Either. I've got to I've got to change the way I am. No, not really. I just tried to be the same. Um, Bobby was was my number two on the sidelines, and um, all the substitutions and everything else was left to him. And we did talk about a bit before we talked about the team together just tell them not, never to take you off <laughs> oh no I got I was I was took off a few times <laughs> um, but it, you know it, we, we, especially when we played three at the back we just changed it around but I just felt that um, it was it was a good situation because I, I trusted Bobby implicitly um, and I knew that he could make the right call but he wasn't enjoying it very much I think we haven't seen Malcolm go and things like that and the inkling I got from, from Bobby was that this was his last season up to the end of the season he wanted to, f to finish uh, after that so but I just said well let's just take it through to the end of the season because we're, we're then in a relegation fight we're then you know, scrapping for our lives so um, but I just felt it was the right situation um, with, with Bobby on the sidelines I was just a player um, obviously after the game you talk about things and then during the week, you're talking about the training and all these kind of things as well. So, um, I thought it was a good, it was a, it was a, it was a nice situation for me because Bobby's so experienced, great, great football guy, great friend as well. Um, uh, him and his wife Anne used to look after me after games, and I remember one game we played. I think it was, I think it might have been Portsmouth at home, where we won four-one, and I thought, well, that's us safe. So we then, I then 
went to the boardroom afterwards and I played and went to the boardroom and I thought and everybody was high and all that sort of thing and uh, it was great and the Chablis was flowing because Mr Murray liked a nice bottle of Chablis so he used to so I had a few glasses of Chablis I think I had a few bottles as well and um, I didn't have much to eat for obviously for the game and then I decided to drive my car back to the hotel um, and then uh, I remember getting in in the car and driving um, and I phoned Bobby on the way, he stopped and phoned Bobby Ferguson on the way and I said, I'm really struggling here. And he just said, look, you better come to me because he, he just stayed on the seafront just to, to stand the road from Hooker Park. So Seaburn, I think it was. So he, he, I, I ended up driving in, into his house and he ended up driving me back to the hotel and put me to bed because <laughs> I was absolutely plus. If the police had got me, I would have been about 10 times over the limit. So it was stupid, but because of the pressure that we were under, the pressure I was under as well as manager, player manager. Um, I just, because I thought, well, we're one, let's, you know, we're going to be safe now sort of thing and, and, and just went for it. A few Newcastle fans in the uh, in the home end that day as well, wasn't there? Because I think we stopped, I think they needed Portsmouth to lose, I think, yeah. to get promoted. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a bit of a strange atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, we needed down on the north to get to the Portsmouth one, um, which was an important game, like you say, with 4-1 and it did stop them from getting promoted. So it was a, a, a one of a few highs in that season, I think, on, on the pitch anyway. It's probably the only high of my <laughs> campaign. <laughs> I think your first, you said you did a, f- a full circle and Swindon was your first game as a manager after it had been your first game as a player. We lost 1-0, Gordon Armstrong missed a penalty in that game. Yeah. Maybe that's a sign of things to come, Gordon missing a penalty. It's going to go downhill from here, Yeah, from that moment. Um, a couple of ones I wanted to mention, Newcastle away. So what was it like firstly... Um, at the time, you obviously played for Rangers, as everybody knows, and that was massive. Everybody knows about Rangers and Celtic; it doesn't need explaining. But it's very similar. It's very similar to Sunderland and Newcastle. And at that time, Newcastle are flying, and Kevin oh, Keegan's there, and the top of the league, and that made things harder for a Sunderland fan because you were so desperate just to match them. And and we hated that they were. They, Sunderland and Newcastle fans pretend they're not bothered about each other, don't they? That that's the thing they like to do at the moment. <laughs> they, they do, don't they? And of course, they're bothered about each other. Were you aware of that at the time? Like oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, I mean, the derbies were 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 big things, um, big things wherever you are, but particularly Newcastle, Sunderland, huge. I mean, Newcastle were flying. I mean, we'd we'd lost at home, I think, two one in the first derby, um, which wasn't uh, nice at all, and. We had to go to St James's Park, and um, what I did um, that week, I took the players away up to Turnbury. We had a, got a special deal at Turnbury. They had a cancellation, which was quite good, and we went up there, took the boys up there, had a great time, bit of golf, things like this, and spa treatments, etc., a few drinks, and then um, we decided to come back down on the uh, on the Friday uh, and stay in a hotel, which was uh, north of uh, Newcastle, and it was the hotel that Newcastle stayed in for home games but we got in there pretty early during the week and, and booked it Moira Moira Whitmore my secretary she was amazing so she so got in pipped it pipped Newcastle we then took over their hotel which was a, I thought well that's a good good sign and then and it was pouring the rain when we came down from, from Turnbury absolutely teeming down on the on the Saturday on the Friday we come, we come down on Friday and stay because Saturday was, it, it was played on the Sunday um, a televised game. Yeah. Uh, so we, it was pouring the rain. So I remember going in and thinking, well, I hope this doesn't last very long. Went in the hotel, good night, and then they obviously went to the game. And it was pouring the rain all night. And I thought, well, the game's going to be in doubt here because there's only so much any football pitch can take. And it was like, I thought, well, if there's a hill nearby, there's going to be someone building an ark up there because it had <laughs> rained that much. So we, we went to the game and I remember the game 
because the old new car, the old St James's Park, they had um, the, the turf of the pitch went off. And you had a cinder track, and you had like um, gullies from the cinder track went down to the to the pitch. So there was a big like foot to two, two foot drop from the pitch to the these these mm-hmm. these gullies and the cinder track, and they were full with water. It was just absolutely really full with water. And I thought to myself, well, this, you know, this, this could go up. But anyway, they, they went ahead. Can you remember how you approached that game? There's a story that one of the players Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think Don Goodman tells a story. Kevin Ball. I think, uh, Kevin uh, Ball. Oh, no, I'm, I think everybody tells a story. <laughs> everybody who's in the dressing room tells a story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I came, I, I came into the dressing room, didn't I? And I, I'd had this number, number two haircut <laughs> all over. And I was, I was playing, obviously. And I just, I says, right, lads. I says, right, you know, I'm, I'm like... Uh, um, I've got a commando's haircut, and uh, I think it was, I think I was using the word commando. I'm a commando. I'm a commando's haircut. We're going to be commandos today. We're going to come down here, get in, do the job, and clear off. Well, I didn't quite say clear off, but off was used as well. Yeah. So I said, right, this is our mission today, and it was like that. And you could see everybody was like, rah. I'm short of putting on any sort of paint on our faces, camouflage paint. We went out as as, as commandos. That's what, that was my that was my message to the players. Unfortunately, we didn't quite. Play like well, we actually played like commandos and not footballers. But no, it was a, it was there was nothing but nothing in the game. And I remember giving the free kick away. I think that um, was it Sellers scored. Scott Sellers, yeah. yeah. But the best memory of the game for me was uh, playing up against uh, uh, David Kelly. Was it? Yeah. I didn't like David Kelly. Uh, didn't like any Newcastle player. But I didn't like David <laughs> Kelly in particular. So I thought, uh, and as the ball's running out a play. Um, kind of to the side of the pitch and I remember chasing him out towards the ball uh, and I've just gone in I thought right I'm just going to take the lot here I'm just going to if I make contact with the ball it's completely incidental <laughs> and I just smashed into him and I took him and I carved him round about the thigh area and I've took and I've just bundled him off the pitch and, and now I talked about the gullies before yeah. it was about a two foot drop into this gully of water and it was a, it was a huge area and I've just scythed him down, got a yellow card from him, scythed him down, and he's gone into this gully, slid into this gully, and he's gone under the water and comes up the other side. So I nearly drowned him. I wish I had it. <laughs> I should have just picked him up by the neck and just drowned him. But that was my body memory of the game when we lost the game 1 0. But it, sh- it really, in all effects, should never have gone ahead because it was, it, was wa- it was awful. The ball was stopping and all these kind of things as well. Yellow card in those days? Yellow card, <laughs> well worthy of yellow. I was quite happy to have a yellow card for Ten that. Ten match so. ban now. Probably. I was yeah. Oh, yeah, it would have been easy. Yeah, it would have been a court case. No, but no, no I, I, that was the only bit of the game I enjoyed. And I remember driving down the road afterwards, just thinking, well, the only reason the game went ahead, I think, was because of the TV. So that was that was it. But yeah, we. I mean, great memories of the game. Okay, we lost the game, but we certainly went in. You know, we certainly give it a go. It's good. I'm glad you confirmed that story because it is a good story. Um, <laughs> Commandos. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and Kevin Ball said that Pete Davenport come on a sub and started running around the pitch making aeroplane noises, <laughs> which is his memory from the game. I don't know how true that is. They might have waited until you weren't on the pitch before they'd done that. Yeah. Um, so that, that season we were, we were never like we were never actually in the relegation zone that season. Um, this idea that because <coughs> when Sunderland were relegated from the Championship recently, and we say, oh, you know, we have been down here before, and in fact we hadn't really because the time. We've been relegated um, out of that division previously. We were never in the relegation zone. And the times when we struggled in the mid-90s, we were we were always just hovering above. But we were getting close to the relegation zone, weren't we? And yeah. um, you, you mentioned the 4-1 win there already against Portsmouth. It turned out it was enough. <laughs> and it had to be yeah. because we lost the last two games. But there was a game against Notts County, wasn't there? And Notts County 
were one of the sides who were in trouble as well and it was built up as a huge game we took thousands down again oh, didn't yeah. we yeah, and um, massive massive game and then we just didn't turn up did we for the first half we 3-0 down at half time we 3-0 down at half time yeah yeah, great team talk for me, wasn't it? <laughs> great team selection. Yeah, it was just. It was, I mean, they they were really fired up for it. But I, you know, we tried to, you know, I tried to fire the boys up and all that sort of thing as well. And I just think because there was about four or five teams that could have yeah. all got relegated that day. I mean, there was, there, you know, you just, no point working out combinations and results and all that sort of thing. You just, you know, I said to the players, just we just go out there and win the game. Mm-hmm. But we we weren't at it at all. Um, three 0 down, and you sort of think. You know wh- where are we going with this at half time? And I think it was everybody. He walked in the dressing room. Everybody was like shell shocked. It was just, mm. it was just awful. Um, and even after the game, when we'd lost four one, and and then eventually found out that we'd stayed up, it was the worst feeling in the world. And I, and I remember doing a lot of interviews after the game. Just my face was just tripping me. It was I was absolutely gutted. I'm gutted about playing the whole season and tired as well. But just the whole weight of the club. You know, we nearly went down. You know, and, this, and I, I think I remember saying things like, you know, this could never happen again. We've got to make sure that we are not in a position again where we where we we come to the last game of the season and this is our situation. You know, we're gonna, we must make sure that we that we learn from this and move forward. And that's what I wanted to do, and especially that summer. Lee, how he made his debut um, in that Portsmouth game, actually. Mm. So he he's got a story about that Notts County game as well. But what, firstly, your it really worked out for Lee your appointment. Because he was kind of on the football scrap heap, wasn't he? And mm. you, you'd come across him when he was at Ipswich. You got told he would ever play again. He was playing non-league yeah. football yeah. in Sunderland. And then he, he asked you for a trial, I think, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, his brother played for Newcastle. So, mm. um, and, and Bobby Bobby Ferguson knew about him as well. And he's well worth a look. So, we had a look at him and, we yeah, we liked him. He was technically good, strong. Could have, not the most aggressive of players for a big lad when he you, know, you sort of think you know in, in football in those days it was centre forwards like Mick Harfords and things like this who I signed the next season <laughs> so that was aggression pure aggression that was but he wasn't you know and he sort of felt there's more to come from him he really did and I think he was trying to make up for lost time but yeah lovely lovely boy I mean great family as well mm. it must be nice that when you one comes along for free like that yeah and there was one the next season you know, the next season um, Jamie Lawrence Oh, yeah, Remember Jamie yeah, Lawrence, yeah, yeah, pineapple yeah. head, they used to call him <laughs> because he had the, he had the, like the was yeah, it Jason yeah. Lee pineapple yeah, haircut? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he'd been in prison. Yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd yeah. been in prison for theft and things like this. And, and when we signed him, he, you know, there's no, there was no truth in the rumor he played with a, an ankle bracelet. But uh, he, he, he was a, he was a, play, a phenomenal player, unbelievable pace. Um, he did all right for us. Mm. And he's, he's now, I'm, I've met him again. He's, I think he's in London now. He's got a, a sort of not an academy, but. He looks after a lot of the younger boys and gives them a, a good tuition and tries to turn them around from gangs and all that sort of thing now as well. So he's he's, done, he's done really well. Yeah, he played in the Premier League. He for did Bradford, well for Bradford, didn't he? Didn't yeah, he, he did for Bradford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he did all right. Yeah, he's, yeah, he was, and it was a big a big gamble. But at the end of the day, with someone like uh, Lee, it wasn't a gamble at all because he was desperate to play. Desperate yeah. to play for Sunderland. And he said that you 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 I mean you, you probably answered it there because you said at halftime not to carry. So this is a. Trying to people who weren't aware if it was before their time or whether the newer Sunderland fans trying to put in a context out. This was like a cup final this game against Notts County, and we didn't turn up like you see three 0 down half time. And Lee, how he said, nobody, yourself included, said anything. No, and just sat there. Yeah, it, it was we were shell shocked. It was it was the most bizarre uh, change room, and in the end, it was like it was it was one of those. I don't really want to be here, but you are here, and it's your job. You've got to get on with it. And he said, right, I'm like right. 
you know, let's get out there in the second half and put a bit of pride back into the game. That's, that's all we could do. You know, the game was gone and to to all certain, to to a certain degree in all intents and purposes. But I, said, I just said, I think I said one thing. And I was look, you know, look at the crowd. You know, let's 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 go out there and just give a better second half performance. And we did play better second half, but it wasn't much better. But in the end, it, the luck was on our side. 